Lord Jesus Christ, I pray that you would open our hearts this morning, that we might hear from you. And it's your name and for your glory we pray. Amen. You may be seated. So you've heard me say this before, and you'll probably hear me say it many times over and over again. But I used to have a professor in, college, or in seminary who would say to us, I got issues, you got issues, all God's children got issues. And I thought that was a great reminder to hear from Dr. Outlaw uh, quite uh, frequently, actually. And uh, so our, our family after Christmas, as most families do after Christmas and the girls are in bed and, and all this sort of stuff, we actually started talking about some of our family issues. Maybe, maybe your guys' families are a little more sanctified than that, but, you know, that's, that's just kind of the conversation that happens once, you know, you have distant relatives who get together for a while. It's like, oh, how's so-and-so doing? How's so-and-so doing? And then the issues kind of start to bubble up, right? Well, I don't need to go into the particulars of my family issues. That's, that's not what this is about. But at some point in the conversation, and, and maybe you've encountered this as well in those kinds of conversations, there kind of becomes a lull, right? And people just kind of go, and then someone asks the question, does anybody, is it possible for someone to change? Do people actually ever change? And I'm sure that this is a question that you've asked yourself, right? Is it possible for people to truly change, for habits that they've been carrying with them forever and ever, is it really possible for them to change? You know, maybe it's habits of, of addiction or oppression or fits of rage and anger. Maybe it's lying or something like this. Maybe you've wondered about family members who've struggled with these things, or maybe you've even wondered about it yourself. You look within your own heart, and you think, Lord, this is something that I've been struggling with for a long, long time. God, is it possible for me to change? And honestly, I think the implied answer from our society is, is actually no. You know, so often you hear from society how quickly we are to, to slap a label onto someone, right? To toss in the towel, to totally give up on someone and walk away. So in this conversation that was happening in our living room, my, my wife Molly, she, uh, she leaned forward and she said, well, I believe that God raised a man from the dead, so I think he can change people. That's a pretty big change. And there was a pretty big quiet sort of like, oh my goodness, did you just say that, you know, in the moment? But then the conversation got really fun, right? And then we got to talk about that. We got to talk about miracle and change and what God can do. Well, right now, the church, uh, the church calendar, we are in a season of epiphany, a season of epiphany. And as I said last week, this is a season that stretches between the end of the 12 days of Christmas and goes all the way up until Lent, which is going to be sometime in March. And so in these couple of months, this is a season of epiphany, and I think God is calling us to rediscover Christ during this season. Just like the, the nations who came to adore and worship Christ, I think we're being invited to come and peer into the manger during this season and be dazzled by who Christ is, the God-made man. So on this Sunday, the first Sunday after the Feast of Epiphany, as, as Christy mentioned, we're commemorating the baptism of Jesus. And friends, this is the day in which we get to celebrate that Jesus, in fact, changes lives. And it's so easy for us to forget this, Right? It's so easy for us to kind of click back into the voices and, of the society and just kind of listen to, to that, that cynicism around us. But today I want us to turn our attention to the waters of baptism and the promises that they contain. So baptism, 
It's a bit of a churchy word. In fact, probably when you heard it's baptism Sunday, you're probably like, oh man, I've heard this stuff before, right? It's a churchy word, right? You know, and unfortunately, churches, they've done a pretty good job of debating about what baptism means in the last couple hundred years, right? Christians have done horrible things to each other over this argument. But it's actually a word that's not supposed to be that fancy of a word. In fact, if you go back to Bible days, uh, baptism, it was a very common word. It was something that was said all the time. And it simply means that something is dunked in order to be transformed. Now, I don't know if, if, it, if the word dunked appears in, in the original Greek, but that's basically what it means, right? For something to be immersed, to be submerged so that it's transformed, right? So if, if you were someone who worked with fabric and you had some white raw fabric, you would baptize it in purple ink and it would come out as purple fabric, right? Or maybe sometime you've been over to our house and you've, you've had some pork chops uh, that have been brined, right, in this, what is it, like salty sugar. So when I was telling Molly I was going to talk about this, she was like, do you just want me to hop up there and tell people how we do this? We're not going to, we're going we're gonna to see if, if I can describe this. But basically the pork chops, first they're kind of stringy, they're kind of dry, right, but then you brine them in this sugary, yummy, magical goodness, right? And then afterwards, they come out completely transformed. We're able to just cut it with a fork, and it's super tasty, and it's wonderful. Or maybe another example, how many of you have ever been to Krispy Kreme, right? So I'm, I was very disappointed to find out that the closest Krispy Kreme is, is actually in the Chicagoland area, but it's a, it's a donut place, right? And they have these huge machines where you have the, the kind of gooey, mushy donuts that go on the track, and then they're baptized, right? And they're baptized in this sugary, yummy glaze, and they're transformed into something that is magical and a delight. Well, that's kind of the, the common use of the word baptism. It's, it's something that's, that's sort of in the vernacular of, of um, the people. And so when the, when the prophet John, when he's out in the wilderness, when he's proclaiming a message of baptism, this is a phrase that people would have been able to catch on pretty easily. And when he says, I baptize you with water, every, every kid who was there would understand exactly what that means. Any kid at least who's taken a bath, you know, which we can debate how many of those that would have been. But anyway, he's using the act of baptism, of water baptism, to symbolize that there's a transformation, that there's a change that's actually happened. Specifically repentance, right? Which is another one of those churchy words. It means a change in the behavior. You know, it's an about face in the way that we're living. So what does John's baptism look like? Well, actually, if you had your Bibles, you'd be able to look at a couple verses earlier in chapter, or chapter 3, and you'd be able to see that Jesus tells people what baptism looks like, right? He says, uh, sell your possessions. You know, share your possessions with the poor. Stop stealing money. Start telling the truth, right? Start acting righteously is what John tells the people. And this was a powerful message in that day because the people were absolutely desperate for change. In fact, we talked a lot about that during Advent and that longing for change that the people had. They had these Roman oppressors. They had hypocritical religious leaders. They had sin in their village and in their own heart that they were absolutely fed up with. They wanted to see the return of God's glory and freedom from sin, so the people were absolutely desperate for change. And so it's no wonder that when we look at the story today, that a lot of the people there in 15, you read that they were coming to John asking if he was the Messiah. Are you the one who's not just going to change my own heart, but are you the one who's actually going to change this entire nation and liberate us? But he says, no, I am not the Messiah. There is someone who is much mightier than I who is coming after me. 
And we know, obviously, that's Jesus the Christ. So I want to pause for a second, because usually this is a good time to, that you, you're probably asking a question that, that I asked, and even John asked, uh, and in the Gospel of Matthew, uh, when he tells the story, you hear this question, but it's, why did Jesus have to be baptized, right? If baptism is all about repentance and, and change and all this sort of stuff, why would Jesus have to be baptized, right? He's the sinless one. In fact, in Matthew's Gospel, John says, I'm the one who needs to be, or John says, I need to be the one who's baptized by you. Why do you come to me? Well, Jesus' answer in that text is that in order to fulfill all righteousness. In other words, Jesus was baptized in order to model to us that truth and goodness that we can experience under the Lord's blessing and anointing. If we want to be like Jesus, he commands us to be baptized. I love the way that one of the church fathers uh, phrases it. He says, Jesus goes into the waters of baptism before us in order to bless them, in order to sanctify those waters. And then he invites us in after him to be cleansed. So all four Gospels tell us that this is when Jesus was anointed by the Holy Spirit. So there's an an another reason why Jesus is baptized, and that's because it commissions or it starts, it launches his entire ministry, right? This is when the God-made man begins his mission of restoring hope to the people. And that's what we see after page after page throughout the Gospels. And I love the way that, that Isaiah the prophet phrased it that we read this morning. God says, my servant will open the eyes of the blind. He will bring out the prisoners from the dungeon. And he will usher in light to the nations. This is the launching of Jesus' ministry. So this is what John means when he says that Jesus' baptism. Well, John says that Jesus' baptism is actually different, right? He says, I'm just baptizing you with water. But one after me is going to baptize you with the Holy Spirit and with fire. You think John's baptism is significant? Wait until the Messiah comes. Wait until Jesus comes. And he uses an illustration to describe this of comparing a baptism of water and a baptism of fire to illustrate just how powerful the baptism of Jesus is. Both water and fire are cleansing agents. Water will scrub away dirt, but fire burns away pestilence. Water will get rid of a stink, but fire can burn away a disease. So you think being baptized with water is powerful, John is telling people you're about to be baptized, submerged by the Holy Spirit, the presence of God himself. So I'd like to talk now about what those blessings of baptism actually are. And I think that there's three that we can discuss today. There's so many more blessings of baptism, but there's three that I just want to quickly run through right now. So there's three ways in which we are transformed, in which we are changed by baptism. First, we are spiritually united with Christ. We are spiritually united with Christ. In Galatians, Paul tells us this. For as many of you were baptized into Christ, you have put on Christ. You've clothed yourself with Christ. In fact, we're, uh, I'm reminded of Martin Luther, right? Who, As he would wake up, he would sit up on the edge of his bed and he would stick his feet on the ground and he would cross himself before he actually got up off the bed. And that's not as a charm or anything like that. It was a reminder to him that I have been baptized. I have been clothed with Christ and the devil has no hold on me. Friends, we have been united with Christ through our baptisms. Second, we receive the Father's forgiveness. Did you hear in our passage the Father's love actually poured out and just lavished upon the Son in that moment? He says, this is my beloved Son with whom I am well pleased. In the book of Acts, Peter says this. He says, repent and be baptized and you will receive the forgiveness of sins. 
The Apostle John later says, see what kind of love the Father has given to us, that we should be called children of God. And friends, that happens through baptism. So third, in baptism, we are commissioned by the Holy Spirit. Again, throughout the book of Acts, you see individuals and entire households who are baptized and they receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit who is a teacher, who seeks to reveal himself through the word and through the conversations of other believers. He's the comforter. He gives us the gift of peace in a world of cynicism and hostility. The Holy Spirit is a guide who leads us through the valley of the shadow of death. So friends, in baptism, we are united with Christ. We are forgiven by the Father, and we are commissioned by the Holy Spirit. In the words of that conversation after Christmas, that's a big change. So uh, this, is, this is another Molly story. I'm, I'm sorry you're getting Molly stories today. Uh, it's our anniversary today, so maybe this is a good day uh, for Molly stories, right? <laughs> I wasn't planning on saying that. <laughs> So anyway, uh, Molly, she's been visiting the, Sh- the Shakopee jail, or the Shakopee prison recently and, and doing a, a Bible study fellowship there. And uh, in, in this setting, there is, there is a, a particular woman there, and she was just very sweet. She was, she was paying attention the whole time. She was asking wonderful questions. Uh, she had some really good insights herself uh, into, the, into the passage that they were looking at. And Molly was just commenting after the session, av- as they were leaving, Molly was commenting uh, to another one of the teachers just how lovely it was to have someone like that uh, in here. And, and I think she may have said something like, you know, it, it'd be so fun if, if churches, you know, if this was just kind of like a, a normal way of, of studying the Bible, you know, just this, this childlike curiosity and, and excitement about the text. Well, that other co-teacher, she said something very interesting. She said, oh, you mean that person? She's like, yeah, do you know what? She's actually a convicted murderer. She's in here because she murdered two people and she's serving two life terms right now. And she said, you should have seen her when she first came in. You could just, you could just feel the presence of darkness with her. And her face was fierce and angry. But it wasn't until coming to this Bible study, immersing herself into the text, encountering the presence of Christ through, those, through the passages, that her life was absolutely completely and truly transformed. Well, friends, as Bonhoeffer said, we are all in some kind of prison, right? You know, all of us got issues, as, we, as I was saying earlier, of some kind of sort. But the same God who transformed this woman from being someone who's actually absolutely shrouded in darkness, full of hatred and violence, transformed her into a person of peace and wonder and wisdom. The same God who did that is the same God who can transform us too, who can transform us from liars, from being selfish, from being addicts and hypocrites to people who are filled with grace and truth. That's what our God does. That's who he is. And so friends, if you're here this morning and you haven't been baptized, I would encourage you to come and talk to me. We do baptisms here on a pretty regular basis. In fact, the next one's going to be Easter morning. What an exciting day to be baptized that'll be, right? And so if you haven't been baptized, I encourage you to come and chat with me about that. But also, maybe you've been here and you've been baptized, but you've maybe had some years of wandering away from the Lord, right? We've, we, we know what that's like. But I would love to celebrate that with you in some sort of way as well. So please come and talk to me about that. We have, we have a certain part of our service that we would um, use um, to celebrate that. But like I, said, Lord, or like I said, everyone, praise the Lord. Jesus Christ changes lives. Amen?
In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen.